Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, co-ops, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. My guest today is Scott Reidenbach, Esquire, founding principal of Reidenbach & Associates, a law firm based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Scott and his firm concentrate in the areas of condominium and community association law, construction litigation, real estate, and related areas. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how condominium and homeowner associations can manage the impact of short-term vacation rentals in their communities. Scott, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tony. So let's start off, I guess, with the, the, the basic question. What is considered a short-term vacation rental? Well, a short-term rental is defined as anything less than 30 consecutive days. And Tony, this topic is really interesting, and we talked about it a little before we get, went online here, but short-term rentals are exploding. And I personally have never rented through Airbnb, which is a little ironic to me, but between Airbnb, VRBO, uh, HomeAway, to name a few of the more popular services, the numbers are staggering. And if I may for a moment, if you look at Airbnb alone, they had over 150 million users worldwide. There have been over a half a billion Airbnb stays all time. You have over 650,000 hosts worldwide through Airbnb. And Airbnb is currently listing in over 191 countries. So this is not going away. It was bigger than Hilton. <laughs> Slightly larger than Hilton, yes. Let me ask you a question about some of those statistics. Are the, This is an industry now. So this is not just you, you know a homeowner renting out their home. There's corporations that are doing this, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, this, this has gone from mom and pop or, or just a, uh, you know, a, a, an older couple renting out their home on weekends. This is an industry. It's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. Let's talk about the, the law for a bit. Is it legal in Pennsylvania? It is. There, there's nothing illegal about doing this, which is driving some people a little, a little nutty because, you know, outside of the planned community context, people can do anything they want to. But here we are in, in a condo or HOA and you have the intersection of local ordinances and community documents that are, are not always um, in sync. So, yes, it is legal to do this, but with some caveats. So what must a community association board or a management company be mindful of when a home in their planned community is being rented out? Well, the starting point is always, what do the documents say? What does the declaration say about rentals? And we find with most communities, they have some form of leasing or rental regulations on the books. They either have a minimum term of, for example, six months or 12 months or, or 30 days and they'll have some requirements around rentals, which can be an application form, it can be paying a fee, it can be insurance requirements by the owner. So the starting point is to look at your documents. What do you currently, how do you currently handle rentals in general? But I I think regardless of what's on the books at any association, these short-term ones were never really contemplated five, 10, 15 years ago, right? So, we see some more modern documents contemplating these short-term rentals and building regulations around them. And then the other camp, Tony, is, is the, we're going to ban them altogether. 
right? right? We don't like these things. They're bad for the community. We have transients in and out of our property and we're just going to ban them entirely. So we see really the development of two camps as far as how associations and management companies are trying to regulate short-term rentals. Is it wise uh, to ban them outright? I don't think it is. And and here's why. You know, the, re, the, the economy is better. You know, we're, we're out of the recession in many ways. But an association board of directors is always mindful of property values, right? I mean, that's why they have architectural controls. That's why they have aesthetic uniformity. It's very attractive to a unit owner to be able to rent their unit out in some capacity, right? Whether it be for a year or, or week to week or day to day. So I think it's a little short-sighted by boards of directors to try to ban this because you want people to buy your units. Um, you want investors to buy units at certain times. And if you restrict leasing of short-term rentals, it makes the units less attractive as a community. So, so what about the community that might be um, very mindful or fearful, maybe, of a corporation coming in and buying up, you know, dozens of units for the sole purpose of short-term leasing? Can they uh, can they regulate, restrict that? They, they can, and that's a little bit of a different. Because I'm sorry, let me interrupt yeah, you. Go ahead. The, the 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 reason why I ask that is that could have long-term impacts on the community, as you know. It's difficult sometimes to get uh, homeowners to attend annual meetings, to vote, mm-hmm. to elect boards, to, to adopt budgets. So if you have a, you know, let's say there's a hundred unit association and 25% of the units are owned by a company for short-term leasing purposes, that makes that even more difficult to get quorums and stuff like that. Yeah, it definitely is. And we're seeing more of that here in the Philadelphia region where you have either a, a um, investment company or just one individual that's coming in and, and buying blocks of units for that very purpose to right. make them either short-term properties for their employees. They have a nearby company. We're seeing a lot of that. They're literally putting people up at con- nearby condos. As opposed to short-term stays at a hotel or something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. And you know, there are, surprisingly in Philadelphia, we have a hotel sh- room shortage in this region. And there are about 15, 20 hotels on the books right now to be developed. But in the meantime, a lot of companies are buying units of condos and just having people in and out of them instead of going to uh, hotels or short-term stay facilities. So th- that is scary because you're right, it does change the, the voting, it changes the just the makeup of the community when you have investors in there versus homeowners. So these things are all coming together um, at one time and, and that's why I think you will see more legislation coming down the road, not, not just to tax these properties because they're already being taxed by, by every county and by the state of Pennsylvania. So there is a, um, I'll call it generically a hotel tax. Right that um, Airbnb and short-term rentals must pay or must remit to Pennsylvania. So they've already figured that piece out, but that's just the monetary piece. But now it's really the the community um, piece of it. How do you maintain and preserve the sense of community in the face of investors buying blocks of units and using them as short-term rentals? So do, does, do these issues vary at all when we're talking about a condo unit versus a planned community? Not, not dramatically. I mean, I, I think when you, you know, we all think of condos as, as, you know, how they look, but we know that's not the case. You know, a condo is a form of ownership. 
But I think it's more where the property is located. You know, we, we talked a little bit earlier, Tony, about how um, if, if a community is located in the Poconos or is located in Center City, Philadelphia, we're seeing the short-term rentals be more, uh, more frequent. Does that make sense? Right. So pe- people aren't clamoring to be in you know, my hometown of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're not clamoring to be in Lancaster, but when you have in Philadelphia the NFL draft or Made in America or the Pope comes to town, we're seeing a lot of short-term rentals through Airbnb, VRBO, and condominium buildings throughout the city. And in the Poconos, we're seeing more of the summer rental, short-term rentals in the Pocono Lake communities. Right. It, you know, that, that just makes sense. And that's always been the case. It's just now they're, they're doing it online. Well, right. They're doing it online, and the online is making it more prevalent and more more frequent, whereas right. before it was either in the newspaper or, or word of mouth. Or through a leasing agent, something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This is an issue that clearly can divide a community into two camps. People who are in favor of it because they see it as an opportunity to make some extra cash, rent, rent their home out, and those who would be obviously against it because of the changes that it might bring to the community. How do, you, how do those two camps... How do you get them, how do you reconcile those differences? Right, right. It's, it's the old, if you can't beat them, join them adage. And what we've seen is, is you're right, associations do form into two separate and very distinct uh, camps. So if you're going to embrace this phenomenon as a board and as a management company, you can do things such as require leases to be in writing and, and give copies to the board. Now, when you book on Airbnb or VRBO, there is no written lease. You're, you're clicking through fields on a computer screen to sign up. But giving that information to the board or management company is a good step. So they know who is renting. They know how often people are renting your property. Um, the association can, again, these are ones that are embracing the phenomenon. They can still fine the owners for non-compliance. There, there can be a fining procedure for not following these rules or whatever rules they put in place. They can also certify that the occupancy limits are not being violated inside the unit, right? Because that could trigger township involvement. Right. So there are things that the board can do just to regulate and, and, and put some monitoring procedures around the process. And, and also insurance, right? I mean, you have all these people now in and out of the property if it's winter, you have ice on the ground. If it's in the summer, people running you know, through, um, you know, through the lawn or playing on the playground, there's more incidence of, of, of risk or liability. So making sure that the owner has proper insurance on their unit is also a good requirement by these, these camps. On the other side of the camp is the, we don't like this, we're going to ban it. And what we've seen is the associations and boards who want to outright ban short-term rentals, they, they usually have to go in and amend their governing documents. By that, I mean their declaration. Right. And make it painfully clear that we don't allow this. And we have a minimum rental period of 12 months. And the lease must be approved in writing. All the usual requirements of most leasing regulations. So how does an association, can an association ban or otherwise regulate whether or not a short-term renter, you know, someone who's there for a week or, or a month has access to the amenities and I'm asking for for liability reasons. So let me give you an example. You know, when we were growing up, maybe we went to the shore, uh, Ocean City, New Jersey, rented a house, it came with beach tags, you got to go to the beach. So let's update it to a short, short-term 
uh, Airbnb uh, on some lake up in the Poconos, do I get access to the lake? Do I get access to the community pool and playgrounds? Or can the association limit a short-term renter's access to those amenities because they're not owners? Right. Well, so the short answer is yes, an association can restrict and limit what a short-term renter can and can't do on the property. Okay. That can all be regulated through the governing documents, um, if not through the declaration, through the rules and regulations of, of the association. But it gets tricky, Tony, because when you have, I mean, you have, an owner can always have a guest or family in for the weekend, and those people can use the pool and use the parking lot and, and walk on the walking trail, right? But then how do you discriminate against a, another class of people that are doing the same thing on the same facilities, but the only difference is they're paying some, some rent to the owner versus being a guest. Right. So these are the battlegrounds that we're seeing in my office between the board of directors and the owners about who can use what and whether they're a guest or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a college roommate from out of town. But certainly they can put restrictions in their documents to restrict who uses what and when. So these can be really thorny, complicated issues. How can uh, associations, uh, how can association attorneys help guide the management companies and the boards that are dealing with these issues? Yeah, that's a great question because inevitably these get a little gray and a little murky because this, this phenomenon is relatively new. So association lawyers throughout the Commonwealth and throughout the, the country can assist management companies and boards by doing some due diligence along with them. Looking at the governing documents to see what they say or don't say about short-term rentals is always a starting point. Looking at the state statutes regarding this issue, and as you and I both know, Pennsylvania included, a lot of states are, are modernizing their statutes regarding planned communities. So I think you'll see more and more legislation come down the, the road addressing issues like short-term rentals. So you look at the documents, you look at the state law, you also get the, the intent or the mood of the, of the owners in the community because every community has a, a temperament for this type of situation. Um, again, a property in the Poconos or a property in, in Philadelphia might feel differently about this, this issue. So, you know, the owners have their opinions. So I think listening to the owners, doing a survey of the owners to find out what they want in their, their own community, reviewing state law and governing documents is how attorneys can assist associations with this issue. So even if a community doesn't want to ban, but might just want to help control or manage this, you would advise an association client of yours to look at their documents and to just put in some place some common sense practices or rules, if you want to call them that, uh, just to just to manage this whole process, because it's clearly not going away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they can make, and we don't have to re, you know, you don't have to redo your documents or, or re, redraft your entire declaration. You can put some things in place rather easily and inexpensively, because as you said, this is not going to go away. So let me ask you one, one final question uh, and throw a wrinkle into the whole conversation we just had. <laughs> um, is, it, is, is the situation any different for a 55-plus community where they already have restrictions on who can buy and even who can live in a unit? What, what, what's your comment on that? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question because I was surprised to learn in my research that one of the fastest growing populations of hosts, meaning people that are renting out their properties, are people 55 
years old and, and over. That's interesting. I, I was stunned by that. And, and maybe it's just to generate some extra income or you know, they're traveling so their unit is empty. Or it's a commentary on how well prepared they were for retirement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. They're, they're getting creative. Um, but no, that, that's also becoming, becoming a conflict because in communities that are 55 uh, and older, if they're running out to a bunch of college students on a three or four day basis, even when that's allowed by uh, state law or short-term rentals are permitted, if they don't have rules and regulations surrounding not just the age, but the number of people and, and their age, and what they can do on the property, you're gonna have a lot of conflict. And that does happen rather often where you have a 55 and older community that has a tremendous pool and outdoor fire pits, and now they're being taken up on weekends or during the week by you know guests or, or renters, and people are not happy about it. Right. So um, that is another situation where the governing documents can be tweaked, um, rules and regulations can be put in place to address that. And again, it's just thorny because you get into some discrimination claims by certain classes of people, you know, renters, people under 55 that feel as though they're being singled out and, and targeted for their, you know, their age or their, their, their classification. Right. So definitely an area of conflict. Yeah, interesting. So in closing, what, what's your, what are your final thoughts? What's the bottom line for association leaders and managers who might be dealing with this uh, issue in their community associations? I think three things. I think number one, the, the managers and the board should get their finger on the pulse of their community and, and figure out what people want in that community. And that can be done informally or through a survey or through meetings just to know what people want in the community. It's, and again, it's not what the board wants, right? right. It's what the community wants. Um, number two, they should look at their existing documents and see what, how they're currently handling or addressing short-term rentals, if at all. And number three, if they're not addressing them in their documents, get some things in place that can regulate and monitor and just wrap some protections around the process. And that process can be you know, liberal or very restricted with this issue, but at least you have something on the books you, you can point to. Right, okay. This has been a really interesting conversation. We could probably go on for hours on this topic. Um, so thank you, Scott, for joining me today. Uh, talk about short-term vacation rentals. Hopefully this information will be useful to our listeners. If you'd like more information on services provided by Reidenbach and Associates, please visit them online at www.reidenbachlaw.com. And for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.cai-padelval.org. Thank you for listening.